Sinai marked the children of Israel as the centerpiece of God's providential plan. This is what the Almighty announces prior to the event. Meanwhile, the observance of a second day of Shavuot occurred only in the diaspora, in exile. Chavakuk, in other words, became the Jewish way on the second day of the Shavuot holiday of proclaiming in exile that their faith in a providential God of history remained. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 189, Chavakuk's Dialogue with the Divine. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. We return to The Photograph, which is the title of an article published in the journal Azure, a remarkable reflection by the writer Yossi Klein Halevi about the famous photograph of the three Israeli soldiers at the wall. Halevi describes how four decades after that moment, he traveled to Tel Aviv to interview Yitzchak Yifat, the soldier that stands in the center of the photo. The much older Dr. Yifat spoke to Halevi, reflecting how, despite his own affiliation with this miraculous moment, he was himself not a man of faith. Suddenly, someone intervened. Quote, A big man with a shaved head and leather jacket passed us, abruptly stopped, pointed. The wall? Yifat nodded without enthusiasm. Caught. I'm the chief police detective for the Tel Aviv area, the man explained. Lots of people know me, but when I leave this world, no one will remember that I was ever alive. But you will be remembered forever. I'm going to die just like everyone else, Yifat said. Don't make fun, said the detective, mistaking Yifat's modesty for contempt. You should appreciate the gift. I'd give anything to be in that picture. Afterward, writes Halevi, Yifat said to me, laughing, how do you know I didn't set that up? End quote. The story captures how the image inspires far beyond the traditional Jewish community. And for Halevi, part of the power of the photo is the providential signal it sends. Halevi movingly describes how his own faith was inspired by a comment of his father, a man who had suffered in the Holocaust and who had himself for some time been largely unconnected to God. Halevi writes, quote, The photograph was first published in the newspapers on my 14th birthday, and I took its appearance as a personal affirmation. Though I had been raised in an Orthodox home in Borough Park, Brooklyn, I had grown up without faith. My father, a Holocaust survivor, insisted I practice Jewish rituals to know how to be a Jew among Jews, as he put it. But God had little to do with our Judaism. The same, I sensed, was true for the survivors who rushed through the prayers in the Hasidic synagogue we attended. For them, as for my father, remaining Orthodox was an expression of loyalty to their martyred families, not to the silent God who had seemingly abandoned them. Toward the end of June 1967, my father and I flew to Israel. Standing at the wall, my father suddenly found his lack of faith inadequate. There is something about this little people that makes no sense, he said to me. Who can understand this history? So Halevi writes, and he adds that, quote, Along with my father, I too became open to the possibility of faith. In 1982, I moved to Israel, in part a belated response to the summer of 1967. End quote. The possibility of finding faith when pondering the utter improbability of Jewish history. This, for Halevi, is what the photograph symbolizes. And ultimately, perhaps, this is a point made by a prophet who is, in comparison to some others, seldom studied, but whose message especially ought to be engaged in our own age. The book of Habakkuk gives us the words of a prophet who speaks at the period of the rise of Babylon and who foresees the suffering yet to come. And what sets him apart is that he begins by directly asking God why evil and injustice are allowed to endure. Let us read chapter 1 of Habakkuk. Many of these words are complicated, and I am using the Koran Jerusalem Bible translation. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? I cry out to thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Wouldst thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold mischief? 
for spoiling and violence are before me, and there is strife and contention raises its head. Therefore, Torah is slackened and justice does not go out triumphantly, for the wicked man besets the righteous so that justice goes out perverted. The entire first chapter is of this spirit. Chavakuk goes on to describe the rise of the Chaldeans, meaning Babylon, makes mention of the evil that Babel will commit. God does not respond with anger to Chavakuk, but the answer that he gives is still not easy to interpret. Chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets. And then God adds in verse 3, For there is still a vision for the appointed time, and it speaks concerning the end, and does not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. As this is traditionally understood, God responds to the prophet, who foresees the evil of Babylon, by promising him that there will come an end to this evil empire, and that the Jews, though exiled, will indeed endure. The fall of Babylon will allow for the Jewish return. God then, as he does to most of the prophets, promises a full redemption yet to come, in verse 14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But of course, God does not fully explain why evil endures on earth. And in this respect, the one book in the Bible to which Chavakuk can be truly compared is that of Job. Job, of course, is many chapters longer than Chavakuk, and we will study it soon. But it concludes with God telling Job that a human being could not possibly understand the ways of the Creator God. As Michael Fishbane has noted, the very similarities between these books highlight the differences. With Job, as he points out, God appears in a whirlwind, and Job is stunned into silence. Here, in chapter 3, Chavakuk also visualizes God in a similar apocalyptic setting. But he, Chavakuk, bursts into exultant prophetic prayer. Verse 2. O Lord, I have heard the report of thee, and I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years made known. In wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. This prayer is indeed very different from the whirlwind vision of the book of Job. And to this point, I believe, another can be added. Job, as we will see, is marked by its lack of historical context. We know very little about who he is, and the words Israel, Jacob, Abraham, Moses, Sinai, Jerusalem, never appear in the biblical book. In contrast, Chavakuk is squarely set within a moment of Jewish history. And, as the rabbis understand it, the descriptions of Chavakuk's vision in chapter 3 are meant to mark moments in Jewish history. Thus, verse 11 recalls Joshua at Givon. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation, the light of thy arrows as they speed, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Verse 13 can be seen as a description of David, among others. Thou hast come forth for the salvation of thy people, for the salvation of thy anointed. And verse 14 for Rashi describes the defeat and destruction of Assyria all in one evening. Thou hast pierced with his own shafts the head of his warriors, who come out as a storm went to scatter me. The prayer of Chavakuk, in other words, is understood to be about the divine signals sent to us through particular points in the Jewish story. The prophet does not give a complete explanation for why injustice and evil are allowed to exist. But at the same time, Chavakuk, who begins with perhaps the most audacious exclamation of all the prophets, ends with an exultant expression of faith. It is with this in mind that we can return to Halevi's article. Halevi notes that, quote, Judaism posited a daring idea that God's power and goodness would be revealed not only in the majesty of nature, but in the messiness of history, and even more improbably in Jewish history. The meaning of Jewish history, then, Halevi writes, is that history has meaning, end quote. 
It is this notion, he further argues, that the enemies of the Jewish people sought to assault. Thus, Halevi adds, quote, discrediting the Jewish God of history had been a central goal of the final solution. The final solution was, in a sense, a theological project, an attempt to confirm the ancient pagan taunt against the Jews, where is your God? The Nazis deliberately scheduled actions for Jewish holidays, commemorations of moments of divine intimacy with Israel, to reinforce the message of the absence of the invisible God of the Jews. The return of the Jews to Jerusalem, Halevi continues, challenged, if not negated, the Nazi assault on the God of Israel. History had yielded the moment of consolation that generations of believing Jews had insisted against all logic must come. End quote. In other words, 1967 served as a providential signal even to those who for some time had not felt faith. Or, as Halevi further puts it, quote, the reverence that many Jews felt toward the photograph of the paratroopers was the stunned realization, seemingly reflected in Yitzchak Yifat's upturned face, that skeptical secularism may not be an adequate way of understanding the Jewish story, that God may be real, after all. End quote. Here, ladies and gentlemen, we might further reflect on an apparent liturgical oddity. Portions of Chavakuk are read on the second day of Shavuot, the holiday of the giving of the Torah. There's nothing explicitly said about this event in Chavakuk's book, though the rabbis do discover references to Sinai in the prophet's words. But the point, perhaps, is a larger one. Sinai marked the children of Israel as the centerpiece of God's providential plan. This is what the Almighty announces prior to the event. Meanwhile, the observance of a second day of Shavuot occurred only in the diaspora, in exile. Chavakuk, in other words, became the Jewish way on the second day of the Shavuot holiday of proclaiming in exile that their faith in a providential God of history remained. It is the sparking of this faith that drew Halevi to Israel. Writing this article about the photograph in 2007, Halevi reflects that, quote, even as we mark the 40th anniversary of the Six-Day War, the mythic lure that first brought me to Israel has largely faded. Every day I drive to work from my home in the French Hill, in northeastern Jerusalem, to the other side of the city, along the route where the paratroopers fought in June 1967. Route 1 is built on former no-man's land. Paratrooper Street follows the old city walls. Yet most mornings I am too preoccupied by traffic, by annoying drivers, and by vague security anxieties that never entirely recede to notice the view outside my window. End quote. But then Halevi continues. He has a sudden recollection of being in Jerusalem. And this is how he describes what he feels. Quote, I feel myself then like one of those barefoot and wide-eyed Ethiopian immigrants silently stepping off the plane at Ben-Gurion's airport into Zion. I recall too my father's wonder at the wall, whose fragile and improbable endurance he saw as a metaphor for the Jewish people. Like him, I ask myself what it is about this strange little people that continually finds itself at the center of international attention, repeatedly on the front lines against totalitarian forces of evil. Nazism, Soviet communism, now jihadism, all of which mark the Jews as their primary obstacle to achieving world domination. At those moments, I feel gratitude for having found my place in this story. Perhaps, Halevi continues, these are his words, I sought out Yitzchak Yifat and David Rubinger to thank them for embodying the moment that eventually brought me here. Perhaps I wanted to thank them for helping me to speak about God without irony, to sense the inexplicable still stirring in Jewish history. Perhaps I wanted to reciprocate and offer them something of the faith that the Six-Day War had restored to me, a hard Jewish faith that knows the abyss and denies none of the skeptics' questions, but which has emerged from the 20th century still praising God. But I didn't know what to say to them, because I haven't yet found the words worthy of their gift. End quote. The gift of faith after hard questions. This is as good a summary as I can find of Chava Kuk's contribution to Tanakh 
And it is Chavakuk who can help inspire us to seek to find our own place in the Jewish story. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.